We are excited to be here, man. Thank you guys so much for having us. Um, it's an honor that our pastor uh, uh, trusts me with you all this morning. But um, I, I got to say, I thought the first service was awesome. And um, some people were, you know, coming up saying, hey, you know, that second service, you better watch out because they get a little excited. So I got some pretty high expectation this morning for you guys. Y'all think you can measure up today? <clears throat> well, I'm really excited. I just want to say my wife and I are just so unbelievably honored. Carissa right over there. Wave your hand, baby. Yeah. Oh, why don't you stand for us? I'm just kidding. She's, she's going to kill me. But uh, we are just so honored um, to be a part of, of you guys and um, for everything you guys have done to support my wife and I um, as we have gone out to plant this church um, over in the North Dallas area. If you have not been here since about October, my wife and I came here and um, Bethel has really uh, stepped up behind us and, and has really blessed us in, in helping launch this church. But uh, we have uh, gathered a group of about 40 people and moved them to the North Dallas area last year in October. Uh, we're in our, our 10th month of our church plant. Uh, things are going incredible. We're having a lot of fun. And uh, we rent a building on Sunday and we drag everything in on Sunday. And everybody comes together and helps. We start at like 6.30 in the morning, set up sound. And guess what? I didn't have to. Well, I got up and prayed this morning. But I wasn't moving sound equipment at 6.30 this morning. So hallelujah. So that was pretty fun. But um, so we do that and pull everything together and we have a nine o'clock service. What we do is uh, we do a nine o'clock service for all of our leaders. So anybody who works in the nursery or any other areas, we don't do uh, those ministries in that early service. It is just for our leaders. Uh, we don't want our leaders to come to service without getting church. And so we all come have church and then in the second service, we all split out and uh, we all go and minister to everybody. And so that's what's been happening with us. Um, things have going, been going incredible. I think, uh, I think right now we're I don't know, we're around 200 or so, uh, 230 on good days, and uh, it's just been unbelievable. God has been so good. We're seeing visitors. Yeah. It's been amazing. I don't know where they come from because you can't even see our building when you drive by, but we have visitors every week. We probably have, you know, at about 10 visitors a week, probably on average, and I don't, again, I don't know where they're coming from because you can drive right past the building and not see us. But we do have some professional people on the side of the road uh, flipping these big cardboard signs, and they're like, hey, and so um, it is like the common visitor thing to come by and say, hey, we were here last week, but you didn't see us because we couldn't find you. Uh, we were on time, but it took us a half an hour to find the building, so uh, here we are this week, and so uh, uh, we always have to apologize to every visitor who comes, but it's just been a lot of fun, a lot of joy. Um, I got to say, there's a couple slides going to be bouncing up here. Master's Commission USA uh, is a part of Relevant Church, and um, uh, it, it's incredible. I can't believe that uh, we ran Master's Commission last year. It is a discipleship ministry where young people, uh, uh, ranging from 18 all the way up to about 25, come together and say, man, I just want to know God. Um, no other agenda. I, I just want to get to know God. I'm going to commit a year to Him, to knowing Him and making Him known. And um, it's been so amazing. But we ran last year. Get this. We had no building. We had no building. We had parents come and drop their babies off with us. And we were scared to death as the leaders. I mean, we like, we rented this really fancy place for the parents to come into for orientation, you know, and, and we we're doing everything, just kind of acting like, you know, we own this place. And, and then we just kind of broke it to all the parents at the end of orientation. Hey, we just want to let you know that we don't have a building. And those of you who keep asking us directions to the church, um, well, uh, 
We're renting this place down the street that we've never had church in before. And so we'll get you directions to there. And, and those of you that want to know all these things, we don't know all these things. We're really new to the city. And so the only thing we do have is apartments. And so here's our apartments. And so, um, man, we were actually literally doing um, everything out in the park. We were meeting in the mornings. Uh, I don't know how many people. There's about 80 students. We'd meet in the morning. We would pray every morning in the park at every park around the Addison area. People would be jogging through the park just kind of seeing us pacing back and forth, praying, just probably thinking we were kooks. And, man, we were just all over the place. And we were training in there, preaching in the parks for our students, doing public speaking and drama practices. I mean, it was just insane. And so I guess we don't need to have a building to uh, be disciples, do we? Or to be a church, right? And so um, that's what we've been doing with Master's Commission. Uh, we're beginning to start here pretty soon, around the corner. Uh, if you are of age and, and graduated high school and above and you're interested, you can hit that website right there. Um, also, along with that, our youth pastors institute. Uh, uh, which are students from Master's Commission that are a part of that as well. Um, students who are wanting to be just solely focused on youth ministry. We are training them, equipping them, giving them practical tools for youth ministry. Um, all in the midst of planning a church. I don't know how and why we're doing all this, but we are, and it's a lot of fun. And then, and then the next thing, my wife helps facilitate the Frontline Music Institute. Um, the heartbeat and passion of that is to um, just train people to be great, uh, mighty men and women of God out there in the music world. So it's not just for uh, people who want to be worship pastors or, or worship leaders, but people who want to go out and be artists and, and producers and just impact the world in music. Um, a lot of things you might see, and, and people that are very talented, is a lot of times we got some great talent, and so what we try to do is raise that character level above that talent so that when they get out there, they can last, right? So the, the talent is not what takes you there, but it's really going to be the character that actually keeps you there. And then in the next slide you guys see up here, that's our lovely youth ministry. Give them a hand, everybody. Yeah. This is the hub. Uh, man, the, the mission of the hub is to be a connection between people and purpose. How many of you know that when somebody gets connected with you and they get to know God, they find their purpose in life? And um, so that's what our whole heartbeat is. Uh, we started with about three students. And uh, last December, we just said, hey, there's three kids in the church. You know, let's not wait for some glorious day. So what we did is we had a room about like a, a little bit longer than this, maybe a little bit wider. But what we do is we've got a curtain right here. Just picture it, okay? And then on this side of the curtain, we have children's church. So we got loud screaming children over here. And then we don't tell the parents or the kids, but there's actually a fully loaded bar that's covered by a bunch of other big curtains because it's, we're just renting this big old restaurant. And so, so but don't tell anybody that. Don't Facebook it or anything, all right? Can we like, shh? Okay, so we got a big curtain right here, and then there's like this spot right in the middle of the room. And then on this side of the room, there's another curtain, and then there's screaming babies over here because this is where the nursery is. And so right in the middle, you know, we just said we had three kids, you know. There's really nowhere to meet in the building. I actually honestly was like, hey, it'd be kind of cool to say we started our youth group in the kitchen. So I went back in the kitchen area and was like checking it out, and there was too many nights back there, and I just thought it might be a little dangerous. And so... We went over to the children's area in the nursery. We're walking around and we're like, well, there's this area right in the middle. And we got screaming kids over here and screaming babies over here. We can have screaming teenagers in the middle. So we decided to put our youth group right in the middle of both of those. And so every morning, man, I'm just preaching my heart away. And they're just playing this stupid, fun music over there. And the kids are laughing and everything. And I'm trying to preach the word of God and do serious things for God. And then we got babies crying over here. And it's amazing, but it actually works. And so, uh, not the best recommendation, but it actually works, and we're having a good time, and um, God's just doing incredible things, and 
We're just honored to, to be on the journey uh, with everything. And they say that uh, a picture is worth a thousand words. We got another picture up here. We went to our very first camp. Um, we decided to, you know, not go to a traditional camp. We packed all these kids up. These kids mostly have all been brought in from outreach, totally, completely unchurched, uh, very displaced families. So we said, let's do something that maybe they have never done before. We took them tent camping in Oklahoma. It was horrible. Um, but uh, God, God actually did some great things. Um, it was hot and humid and just, it was just a bad thing. But um, all of our kids have accepted Christ and God is just doing some great things through them. And it's just been a great experience. But we've got a little video for you guys. I want you guys to know that you have really been a part of the change of these kids' lives. And, and, and seriously, um, that's how the family of God works, is that uh, you are every much a part of the life change that is happening in them, and it's because of the love and the prayer and support of this church. Um, today, as we get things started, um, what time is church supposed to end? Anybody? Okay, God's time. Two o'clock? Okay, perfect. Um, I just want to say before we get started today, I want to clear the slate. And I did this in the first service. I've never done this before. But, but one thing that God has been showing me is this one thing. I have learned that in my relationship with God, as I'm trying to go and I grow and I want to learn new things about him, 
I've learned that those prayers that, that, that sound like this, these prayers that go, God, make me graceful, God. Make me a happy person, God. Make me this, God. Make me that. Make me that. The way that you change and become more like God is just by experiencing him. You can pray all the prayers that you want. I want to tell you, the reason why I can deliver so much grace is because I've experienced so much grace from God. And that has made me a graceful person. And I want to say today that if you're in this building and you say, um, I don't know if uh, you know, I need God as bad as the person next to me, I just want to say this. Every person in here, we need God just as desperately as the person next to us. What I mean by that is you might be thinking, well, I've got the greatest Christian in the church sitting next to me. They're a great worshiper. They're the greatest prayer. I mean, they're in the front row every week, man. They're, they're fired up. They're just ready to go. I'm sure I need God more than they do because they got all the God that they need. You might be in the room thinking, they don't know what I think about. They don't know what I've done. They don't know where I've been. I surely need God more than the pastor. Definitely more than the ushers because they're pretty holy. The thing is, that was okay to laugh. You're not in trouble. (laughs) Here's the thing. We are all desperate for God. Top to bottom. So if you're in here today and you're a skeptic and you're not so sure about what you think about Christians or maybe you're in here and you've been serving God a long time, I just want to say playing out in front of everybody. We all are desperate for God today. It doesn't matter if you become a Christian and you've been serving God for 80 years. You are desperate for God just as much as every other person is in the room. No one is exempt from that. Amen? Amen. I want to ask you some questions for maybe some people that are struggling in here today. And I think we need to be completely honest because here's the deal. If we could do this right, I think that we could maybe help heal some hearts. I think we could maybe take away the skepticism that if there's somebody in here like that. I think we could maybe heal a heart of a wounded Christian who's been praying for God to heal something in their life or deliver them from something. And they continue to fight that same battle over and over and over again. Wondering if God is ever going to do anything for that mother or that father that is praying for their kids and a little weary. And thinking that they're the only one. Praying for their marriage that God would heal it. Thinking that they're the only one with a struggling marriage. Praying that that God would actually do something in them personally because they feel like they're the only one who is not hearing God. So I'm going to ask you to raise your hand as I ask a few questions. How many of you guys say, I desperately don't ever want to go back to the life that I came from? Raise your hand. How many of you say in this room, you need God to do a healing in your heart? Raise your hand. How many in this room say you need God's forgiveness for an area in your life? Raise your hand. How many of you in this room say you need God to help you out uh, monetarily, financially? Raise your hand. How many of you say that you need strength from God to forgive somebody that you've been trying to forgive for a long time? Raise your hand. How many of you say that sometimes you have a hard time hearing God? Raise your hand. How many of you say... Sometimes I have a hard time praying. Raise your hand. How many of you in here say, sometimes I just don't know what to pray? Thank you, baby. (laughs) How many of you guys say you could use somebody who will unconditionally love you? Raise your hand. 
How many of you in this building say, I need someone who's not going to use my words against me? If you answered any one of those questions, I would like it with a raising your hand. I want you to stand up. Up on the screen behind me is something called the Word of God that's going to pop up. Here's what I want to say. If you can stand, please stand. We are all in need for God. If you're sitting in the room and you're feeling like you're the only one and you're just a royal mess, welcome to the royal mess of a family. Man, if we weren't a mess, we wouldn't need a Savior. There's some scriptures that are going to pop up that I just want to, you to see with your eyes. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. God wouldn't have needed to put that in his word if we all trusted so good. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Matthew eleven twenty eight. For those of you who are tired, read this scripture. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The next scripture is going to pop up, Isaiah. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. If your heart hurts today, God has people ready to heal your heart. To proclaim freedom from the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. The next scripture, please. Psalms 32.8 says this. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel and watch over you. The next scripture, Jeremiah 31, verse number 3. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness, not a strong arm. Psalms 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and our strength and an ever-present help in time of trouble. Isaiah 40 and 29. For he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you today, God, for those who have felt that it is difficult to hear you and difficult to pray. God, we thank you that we just heard you because your word tells us, God, that you are not here with a strong arm. God, you are here with a loving arm. God, you are not here to bring confusion to anybody, God. But you are here to love, God. And the point, God, is not to get our lives all perfectly figured out. God, the point is to fall in love with you. God, we love you so much and thank you, God, that you are more committed to us than we could ever be to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today we're going to talk about the two chairs. Philippians 4, 8, a scripture that you should all be very familiar with. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Now, today, I feel like God has given me a gift to take the word and make it completely simple. So the reason why I asked you those questions out there earlier is to help everybody feel a little comfortable. To help you to realize, number one, you're not the only one. And to help you also to realize, number two, God's word is practical and it's very powerful all at the same time. And it's very easy to hear God's voice. And I'm going to show you just how easy that is. A lot of us... um, See scriptures like this and we, and we hear God's word and we, we often wonder, you know, what should I do with this? Well, 
we are all in this world and everybody's wanting to know what Christians are up to and how, how, how goody-goody we are and all these things. But the question is not how goody-goody are you. And the question is not, you know, do you go to church um, every Sunday, Sunday morning, Wednesday, and then especially for the Saturday night prayer warriors. Um, those of you, and, and by the way, you said I'll go to prayer. Um, but I, I'm just saying that um, a lot of us may try to judge different relationships with God and, and we try to look at everybody and go, they've got a good relationship with God. There's, mm, they could use a little work and oh they're the faithful ones why oh because the faithful ones well they go to church every week and they pay their tithes and they shake the pastor's hand every week and they smile all the time and they say god bless you and we look at those people like well those must be the ones the question is not how do you appear on the outside the question is this what choices are you making every second of the day that is impacting your faith and everybody else around you I want to draw out a little truth and a fun little scripture. Before I do, I want to remind us, Jeremiah 17. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. It is beyond cure. Who can understand it? That's a bummer. Here's the fun thing. Did you know that the Bible talks to us like we're sheep? And did you know that that sheep aren't really that smart? Look at the person next to you. Go by. I'm just joking. Go ahead. Did you know that the Bible talks about God being the shepherd and us being the sheep? Did you know that when one of those little bah go outside the pen, the shepherd has to go get them? How many of you have ever crawled outside the pen before? How many are lying? Okay. Nobody raised their hand. Wow, you guys are so honest. And, and so what the shepherd does, he goes and he gets that sheep. And they say what the shepherd does, he grabs that sheep, that poor little baaing sheep, and he breaks the sheep's legs and puts the sheep over his neck and walks the sheep back to the flock. And when he gets the sheep back to the flock, he keeps the sheep nice and close to him so that he can restore the sheep while the broken leg gets healed. So that as the shepherd speaks, the ear of that sheep is right next to the shepherd's voice. And that sheep can begin to listen and hear what the shepherd says. So that when that sheep is fully restored and set down amongst the flock, when shepherd moves this way and when the voice goes this way, guess who is the first sheep next to the shepherd's side and learns how to walk with the sheep? Sometimes God has to break you, to fix you, to heal you, to do what he needs to do in your life. And today, I just want to just put it out there that God wants to help you. He's on your side. We're all on the same team. Now, back to our scripture. I want to say um, there's two chairs in life. And there's a really fun scripture. And the scripture uh, says this. John 8. If you lay a hold of my teachings, you are really my disciples. And then he says this, verse 32. Can you know this? Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How many of you have ever heard that before? Okay. Let's say that all together. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. One more time. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You guys are very good. Give yourself a hand. I love it. You guys are really smart. So, let's just say this. If truth frees us, then the opposite of that is probably true as well. If truth frees then a lie binds. 
I have seen, and I have been, so I'm not saying as a, as a speaker, I have seen many Christians. I'm saying, I have seen it in my life that we, we are not taught. These two chairs up here, it's not the chair of like, I'm saved, and the chair of, I'm going to hell because I'm a bad person. By the way, bad people don't go to hell. It's just people that don't have Jesus. So, um, so let's just say this. Um, I have seen a lot of Christians. I've seen them free. In areas of their life. So free. Man, they worship good. But I have also seen them every time you believe a lie, you bind an area of your life. Let's just get back to the scripture. Whatever is not true, whatever is not noble, whatever is not right, whatever is not pure, whatever is not lovely, whatever is not admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, because that's truth. When you do things that are contrary to this, which are lies, you bind your life. I'm not talking about just partaking in a sin. I'm talking about your thoughts. I'm talking about if you think something ugly about something. I know we all do, but let's just fix that. If we're thinking ugly stuff about somebody and it ain't lovely, we're buying up that type of place in our life. If we're thinking ill of our spouse or our wife, or our family, wishing that things were a little bit different, thinking that the world is against you, that's a lie because God is for you. Who can be against you? You bind yourself up in that area. Oh, but I got good praise over here. I got good praise over here, but I'm bound up over in this area of my life and I'm just a Christian walking around not realizing that I am locked up in certain areas of my life because a lie binds. It doesn't have anything to do with you being saved. We're saved. The reason why we're all here is because God continually redeems us the rest of our life. He is in the process of saving you. For the English majors, ING is continual. It doesn't like just save you and you're done. He is going to continually restore and heal you the rest of your life. Some of you have been put on this earth for a very long time because there's a lot of restoration needed to happen to you. I'm just kidding. It's a process. And we don't realize in life why things get so difficult. It's just because the enemy is the father of all lies and he's trying to bind you up with some silly stuff that it is not true. You think ill of yourself. You think ill of your job. You think an ill of this. You think an ill of that. You are binding yourself. We all want to know what we can and can't do as a Christian, right? I mean, how far is too far, right, teenagers? I mean, how close can we get, you know, without crossing the line? One of my favorite things in here, I really love it, and it helps us all out. Um, I, I, love, I love this one. Um, okay. At work, at school, in our marriage, in the office with the secretary, in the office with the boss. He just comes and puts his hand on your hand and says, how was your day today? I mean, I, I'm just saying. Um, uh, cheating on a test. I don't know what. Listening to gossip. So let's, let's fix this. Because 
A lot of times we go, God, what is the right way? What should I do in this situation? I mean, I, I, I'm a believer. I, I don't know how to, I can't hear God sometimes when I pray. I don't know what to do about this. Life is so confusing. Should I go here? Should I take that job? What should I do in my marriage? Should I discuss this issue? Should we not? Do we go to counseling? Should we change churches? What is going on? But the world is crazy. All you have to do is choose a chair. You either sit in the chair of lies or you sit in the chair of truth. You either continue to bind your life up or you continue to allow freedom to be in your life. So how do we do this? Well, what do I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I sign up for the shop? Should I go over here, go over here, go over there? How far is too far? Should we park over here in this dark corner where nobody can see us? Does what I'm doing, is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent or praiseworthy? That's how you decide which chair you're going to sit in. Oh, but I don't know how to hear God. We, I know we all do that. I'm not making fun of anybody, but that's what we feel like sometimes. I don't know how to hear God. It's so difficult sometimes. <laughs> the word God speaks to us so clearly right here, and he tells us exactly what to do. I know you would prefer the big booming voice. My child. Please, take your hand off her. I know you would rather it that way. Okay. I would too because I'd feel more spiritual. I'd feel like I hear the voice of God and I'd just feel like all awesome. But seems that it's not about me and it's about him. When you're... I'm hoping that I'm wrecking your life right now. I'm hoping when you go to work this week... All of a sudden you go, is this true? Is this admirable? Is this pure? Is this praiseworthy? And you're going to go, oh, that's just that dumb scripture. The guy talked about at church, and uh, it's no big deal. That is the voice of Almighty God speaking directly to you. It's his word. That's how he communicates to us. You're sitting waiting for some audible thing. You're going to be waiting a while. He speaks so clearly of what you should do. My favorite one is, is this one. Is it praiseworthy? You know how I like to think of praiseworthy? I told in the first service, and I heard you guys were a little wild and loose and crazy over in this service. The first service, um, I was going to um, talk about a movie, and then I told him I didn't watch movies. But I'll tell you, I, I watched this movie. And in this movie, um, there was this guy. He was called a herald. And you know what's interesting about this herald, and some of y'all may know this movie. But a herald, um, back in the time of knights and kings, um, what would happen is, is a, a great knight would have a herald. He would come up and stand on the rooftops of everybody. And he would say, he would introduce the warrior that was getting ready to come to fight. Anybody know what movie I'm talking about? And this guy goes up and he says, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, madams and sirs, I would like to present to you the most fierce the most amazing, I, I don't know, I'm losing it right now, but the craziest guy in the world, Sir Farquaad. And Sir Farquaad comes prancing on his horse and the trumpet's right. And he comes riding in with his knight. And that's what a herald does. He shouts to the whole world how great this guy is and how awesome he is. 
And the reason why I love this part of the scripture is because whenever you get confused about what you should be, be doing or not doing as a believer of Christ, the word Christ, actually, when you say Christian, you actually mean Christ-like. As somebody earlier said, my wife, Krista, is just like her mom. Guess what? As believers in Christ, people are going to look at us and go, hey, there's something different about them. What's so different about them? Well, because they don't know Christ, they don't know to go, oh, that's a, that, that's a Christian. Because they, they don't even know. But we're Christ-like. And so when you're confused about how you should respond as a Christian, this is not all about your good behavior, by the way, but, but here's what you do. You ask yourself, is this praiseworthy? Would I like a herald to jump up into my life, into my world, and go, ladies and gentlemen, Nancy, I hope there's no one named Nancy in the room, Nancy, today, everybody, her boss came into the office and gave her a back massage. And she felt a little guilty about it. She wasn't sure what she was supposed to do. She had a great time and it felt good. Ladies and gentlemen, may I announce to you, Timothy, who was parking in his car today with his girlfriend. He was worried about how far it was too far, so he didn't go all the way. But they did kiss on the lips and probably got a little too close together. Give them a hand, everybody, today. Ladies and gentlemen, may I now introduce to you Timmy. Timmy today was sitting in a conversation with some people at his work. We're gossiping about his boss and gossiping about all the other employees at work. Ladies and gentlemen, he just sat there and listened all to it. smiled and chuckled his nice little way that he does this thing. Oh, he didn't say anything or participate in the conversation. But he appeared that he was going right along with the crowd. So if you wonder... Do I want people to go and display my junk from the world? Then you've got to realize that you must sit in the chair of truth. And following and serving God no longer becomes a list of rules and don'ts of what I can and can't do. You, you were just following the truth of God and what God desires out of your life. And, and, and let me say this to you. We are all at one point going to choose the chair of lies. And it's not the point that you chair the, choose the chair of truth more than that you choose the chair of lies. It's not the point. The point is you begin to recognize who you are as a believer and what you allow yourself to be doing. I love that truth frees. The biggest lie of all is this, that you don't have to choose. The biggest lie of all is that, oh, I can sit in the middle of the chairs on this one. You're not sitting in a chair at all. That's the biggest lie of the enemy. The biggest lie of the enemy is that you don't have to choose at all. I'm going to have the worship team come up. Today we kind of started off the service. We raised our hands and we, we answered some questions. And we all came to a place that we realized that we are all desperate for God. We realized in this building that we all need healing. We all need forgiveness. There is not any one of us above of the need for God. We realized that. And then we begin to bring a simple truth for those of us who feel like we have a hard time hearing God. And help us to realize that it is simple to hear God and hears what he, hear what he wants us to do on a daily basis. It is not about dressing up nice and going to church. Dressing up nice and going to coffee with, with, uh, at prayer on Saturday nights. 
Although those are things that you are doing to participate in the body of Christ. That is not what it means to have a relationship with God. Having a relationship with God means spending time with him. Being with him. The reason why I get up every morning and pray and read my Bible is not because it is the good boy Christian thing to do. My wife and I took a three-day vacation. Staycation, actually, because it was right down the street. We took a three-day staycation. And I woke up one morning and I said, babe, you know what I finally have realized in my life, and, and, and it's taken me a long time to figure it out. I've realized this. I have got up and prayed every morning so much because I thought it was the good Christian boy thing to do and the good preacher thing to do. But I've realized that it is not about my great commitments. God, I commit to you today to get up every morning and pray and read my Bible and be a good person. If it was up to my commitments and yours, how many of you have failed on your commitments before? I have. I have realized it is more about God's commitment to you. Oh, but God, if I just reach down inside my, my gut and pull out my lover, then I can love you a lot. And then I wouldn't do all these bad things. I mean, if I could really do it. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> But we think that if we just reach down deep enough into the love part of our heart. And if I love God enough, then I wouldn't do the things that I do. It is about God's love for you, not about your love for him. The more that you experience his love, the more you will fall in love with him. I get up every morning and read and and I miss, I say, I get up mornings and read and, and, and pray. I do it to remind myself of the love of God. I do it to remind myself about how great it is. I do it to remind myself about how awesome he is and how he's drugged me from this place to this place and how he's put me up in this place and he's done things with my life that should have never been done. That's why I spend time with him. I'm going to ask you a question today. I'm going to ask us all to stand up in this room. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes right now. And I'm going to ask you this simple question. If you're in this building today and and you heard me talk about what it means to be a Christian and and following the two chairs, and if you find yourself in a place where you have done um, the opposite of the truth and you have found that your life is a little bit binded up um, because you've chosen the chair of lies, you're not alone because we have all raised our hands saying we have all all sat in that chair of lies. And and, and at some point, we will all probably sit in the chair of lies sooner than we all think because I think if we are all truthful uh, maybe by the time you get home some of you are probably going to sit in the chair of a lie and that's not what serving God is about being perfect good little Christian boy it's about being a saved redeemed person who realizes they can't fix themselves they can't heal themselves they can't do enough good things to earn God's love God gives it to us freely because he died on the cross for us and knew we couldn't do it on our own if you're in this building and you say you know what I haven't served God. I haven't been serving Him. I've been doing a lot of things that have been confusing my life. Today, I would like to choose the chair of truth. Today, I would like to come in to this relationship with God. I don't understand everything that you're talking about. Things don't make complete sense to me. I want you to know tonight that you're not joining a church or a religion. You're coming into a relationship with a real God that loves you. I want to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three saying, I would like to come into a relationship 
with Jesus. Assignment number one, if that's you in this building, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand at three. You're not going to be alone. Many people in this building have done it before. I'm at number two. If that is you, raise your hand at three. Go ahead, raise your hand. Thank you in the back. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else, raise your hand. I want to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. Anybody else in this building? Here's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to do one more thing. Those of you in this room who say, I have, I have come to a, a different understanding of how simple God's word is. And God, it is not about my commitment to you. God, but I commit to trying to help my mind understand how amazing and how lovely you are. God, I want to choose to sit in the chair of truth. God, give me the strength to do that every day. If that is you, raise your hand. Okay, now I would like to do something. Those of you that have raised your hand in any shape or form, I want to ask you to come forward so those that um, raise their hand for salvation don't feel alone, go ahead and come on forward right now. If you raise your hand, come on forward. Here's what we're doing. Here's what I, here's what I like to do. I know this is a youth group, but here's what I like to do in my youth group. Um, as you come forward, by the way, you're encouraging people all around you. In our youth group, we call this the huddle. Here's what I like to call the huddle. It's, there's something about getting together with a family. When you get together with a family, you are all like, throw everything off to the side. It doesn't matter who daddy works for. It doesn't matter how hard mom's day was. It doesn't matter if junior got a swirly at school. It doesn't matter if, if, if little Sally had a bad hair day that day. We are all around the table together and we're about to eat dinner as a family. We're about to enjoy what really counts in life. Not the stuff that is floating around life that busies us. But we're going to come together as a family and do what matters most. And that is going to be for us today to recognize God. Let's pray this prayer together. And if there's ushers and, and, and a prayer team in this room, you guys are free to come up in this area. And we're just going to pray. But I want us who have never accepted Jesus in their heart to repeat this prayer after me. And let's all say together, Dear God, I pray that you come into my life. I want to sit in the chair of truth. I believe you're the Son of God. And that you are the only one who can save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray tonight. God, I thank you for this church, God. I pray in Jesus' name, God, that we would be powerful people. God, that choose the chair of truth, God, every day, God. God, I pray for myself, God, and every person in this building, God. Lord, we want to do what is excellent praiseworthy, lovely God, because we say we're Christians, God. We want to be Christ-like. We want people to look at us and say, hey, what's so different about him? Can you tell me what's so different about you? God, and open up an opportunity, God, for us to tell you about the God that we serve. God, I pray, Lord, for every person, God, who came into this building confused, unsure about being able to hear you, unsure about how rude you were, unsure if they were the only one, God, that was in a big mess, God. I pray today, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would speak to them with your gentle voice, God, today, as you have already done. We love you so much, God. And we belong to you. 